You are listening to the unscripted, unfiltered, 100% authentic. I'm your host, Michael, and uh, happy 4th of July to the United States of America, to all of us here in this great nation of ours. Happy 4th of July. Hope you all have a wonderful and safe holiday. And for all those out there, including myself, that had to work today and going to get one day off on this weekend, we'll make it through, I promise you. But without further ado, hopefully these storms will not... Uh, knock out any uh, issues along the way but i think we should be good to go but nonetheless i got a fun show with you all today hey let's talk some college football you know of course as many of you may know i am a diehard ou fan and i get it from all you osu and texas fans last year was rough i totally get it however uh we're in, entering the big boys next year and so now we got to talk some big boy football but let's kind of put that to the side just for a little bit we'll we'll talk that here shortly but without further ado i have a huge honor of having randy who is a part of the damn beast media podcast and a big time uh georgia fan but also he's an alumni so hey you can't go wrong with that of course two-time defending national champion georgia bulldogs randy welcome to the area attack it's an honor to have you looking forward to talk some sec football and uh, college football in general, and uh, have some fun. Michael, thanks for having me, man. It's a pleasure to be here. So for all the listeners out there, tell you a little about yourself and your podcast. If you're not if you're not listening to them, here's a great way to get to used to get to used to. That makes no sense. Get to know them. Um, great podcast, if you're, especially if you're an OU fan, as we head into the SEC here in the next year. Um, definitely check them out. But Randy, tell a little about yourself and your podcast. Yeah, we uh, we launched a Dan Beast Media back in February of this year, uh, complete with the YouTube and all the socials. So if you're looking for us, just type that in. Surely we'll pop up. But it, it was it's essentially a passion project is what it was, because we settled in. I, I've spent my career as a sports journalist and I've done that for 25 years. So when I decided to do a Dan Beast Media, I wanted to do it for me, not necessarily as a job. So I'm coming at it to, you know, with the perspective of a fan, right. but with 25 years of seasoning, you know, in locker rooms and news box, uh, uh, press boxes and places like that, I, the game is clearly going to look a little bit different just because of, you know, where I've been, what I've seen. So I hope that comes across when I'm talking to you guys as, as fans and especially people that are new and not aren't necessarily Georgia fans. I hope that you can find what we're talking about and find it relatable. Um and you know, like I said, we are we're just churning it out over there on the YouTubes, and uh, you know, having a lot of fun on TikTok and doing all kinds of fun stuff like that. But we're all dogs all the time, and we talk uh, national stuff when it's relevant to what we're doing. But I do try to keep it Georgia centric. But everyone's welcome, uh, you know, to come check us out and and see what we're all about. Definitely. So all you senior fan, I know I got you out there listening. Uh, give them a follow on any uh, social media platform. Subscribe on YouTube. And speaking of YouTube, we're all live on Facebook and YouTube, Twitch. Twitter, I'm going to try my best, guys, to keep those comments, at least try to keep them um, focused on. I wish StreamYard would do that on there, but that's perfectly fine. First things first, Randy, not to put you in the hot seat, but, you know, you guys are coming off of a phenomenal season. Again, winning another national championship, and and you know practically you guys, uh, I don't know what the right word is, 
pretty much dismantled <laughs> the Big 12 and the uh, and the TCU Horn Frogs, which I wasn't surprised. But to many, I know TCU played a you know played a phenomenal game against Michigan. Of course, had a great season themselves. But of course, um, you know, winning the national championship, Randy, in in now three, you know, potentially three years, try to go for a three-peat, which is, you know, really tough, even repeat itself. You know, you obviously you're not going to have back, and, you know, you're looking at uh, quarterback sets, and Bennett's not going to come back. You got, you know, the defensive side, Jalen Carter, Christopher Smith, Kaylee um, Ringo, I believe, as well. From your perspective, I know early on, I know we got a lot to dive into. Um, kind of obviously recap quickly 22. I mean, you can't go wrong with the undefeated season, but <laughs> I mean, there's really nothing to say. Uh, but quickly recap, but kind of what's your keys, uh, key positions and key points for this year's team as we head into uh, the 23 season here in the next month? Well, let's start with 22. Because that season, I mean, obviously, I loved it as a Georgia fan, but there is some argument about, you know, what's what sort of statement did Georgia make doing what they did? And I'm on record on other podcasts and places like that as saying, yes, they went 15 and 0, but I still don't think that on the whole, nationally, Kirby Smart is given enough credit for what he was able to do with that team. Right. Because regardless of how it looked from the outside, if you're watching that unit as closely as I am, you know very well that they lost players to injury across the course of the year. They had, uh, like, they were without A.D. Mitchell virtually the entire season. They were without Arian Smith virtually the entire season. They lost Nolan Smith halfway through the year. They lost Smile Munden for two or three games in the middle of the year and many others along the way. And it speaks to the fact that at Georgia – They have been able to recruit at such a level that they've built the type of depth that's necessary to sustain that program over the course of a season when you have those inevitable losses. So I think the players deserve credit, and I think Kirby Smart deserves credit for what he's built there to make that possible. And, I mean, you're right, 15-0, national champion, uh, conference champion, you know, you really can't do any better than that. They're they're a handful of, what, three teams that have gone 15-0, or, yeah, 15-0, uh, so maybe am I right about that? Clemson did it. Um, who else? I think, did yeah, it? I think that is right. I think it was it because wasn't it uh, think, Clemson? I th- didn't Bama do it once? That's that's what I'm unclear about. I don't know that Nick has had an undefeated season. Uh, let me find that real quick. It, he hasn't in the playoff, well, unless you count the 2020 year. So oh, that that's that's not 15 and 0, right? No, it mm-hmm. was like 12 and 0. Uh, but he still he still went undefeated. So, um, but. My point is 15 and 0, um, 29 and 1 over the last 30, right? Back to back national titles, conference champions. You're right. It was a glorious season if you're a Georgia Bulldog. And it was glorious for me because being a Gen Xer, I mean, you know, I grew up, I know completely what it means to have a 10 win season, beat your rival, and win a good bowl game and count that as a wonderful year. You know what I mean? And to see that Kirby Smart has been able to elevate the program above that uh, is just like it's just I'm I'm walking in high cotton. There's no other way to put it. And when you look to 2023, I mean, a three-peat hasn't been done since the 30s. And the University of Minnesota did that. So it hasn't been done in the modern era. It certainly hasn't been done in the college football playoff era. And it hasn't been done in an era where you have NIL – where you have the transfer portal 
you know, there's just so many options for these young men who may not want to stick it out when things get tough. So if the dogs can roll out there, get back to Atlanta, win the conference, I mean, that would be a phenomenal year in my opinion. And if they can continue to win in the college football playoff, well, I mean, I don't know what I can even say to that. You certainly can't expect that to happen. I personally respect the game too much to expect that sort of stuff from any team. I just know the game's too difficult. Um, But if they can get back to Atlanta and win the conference championship and beat Florida first and foremost, then it's going to be a wonderful year. Uh, As far as positions are concerned, I mean, you mentioned Stetson. Uh, Carson Beck is the presumed favorite to take over the reins. And everything we've seen from Carson on the field, I understand it's just a spring game. But the reports out of practice, as well as everything that I've heard Carson say since the national championship, the way he's carried himself, everything leads me to believe that Carson is not only going to be the starting quarterback, but he's also going to have a really good year. And, of course, all of these statements have to be couched with the fact that it's football. Injuries happen, things happen, right? And if those things happen, all bets are off. But if we're just, you know, chalk moving forward, I think Carson's in position to have a wonderful year for Georgia at quarterback. If you look at the defensive side of the ball, yes, there were losses, but there were losses the year before, Mm -hmm. which brings us right back to that depth and overall talent level that resides in Athens right now. And I did a video on this just a couple of weeks ago. My live stream last week was about this, actually. There is a very real chance that the University of Georgia could have an All-American player at every level of the defense by the time we get to the end of the season. Hmm. You would have Michael Williams at defensive end or edge. He's classified as a defensive lineman and not a linebacker. So that's right. how you get the D lineman. So Michael Williams, who is a freshman All-American and a preseason All-American, you look at the secondary or the second line, you have uh, Jamon Dumas Johnson. We call him JDJ. He was an All-American uh, last year. He was a preseason All-American this year. He was a Buckus Award finalist last year. But he's not the only one in that group of linebackers that could ascend to that level. Smile Munden led the team in tackles. Now, Smile missed two games last year and still accomplished that. He's dinged up right now. It looks like he might miss a game, maybe two to start the year. But he's another guy who has that sort of talent that if things go the right way, he could be in consideration as well at the end of the year. And then on the back end, Malachi Starks was a freshman All-American. He's a preseason All-American. Javon Bullard, preseason All-American. Mm-hmm. Kamari Lasseter, preseason All-Conference consideration, could very well play himself into that position at corner. There is a real chance it could happen. Now, as a long shot, Absolutely. Scheme, injuries, as we mentioned before, you know, you never know how it's going to play out. But the fact that they have guys littered across those preseason and last year's postseason lists certainly puts those players at the top of mind. And I think that George is going to be pretty doggone good on defense. I have said repeatedly that I think the 23 defense is going to be closer to the 21 defense than the 22 defense was. So make of that what you will. That speaks volume because that 21 defense was really, really good. And, uh, I mean, I'm talking scary good. Of course, um, r- real quick, I know we, um, you mentioned it. I know we were talking about to begin. Uh, three, uh, three. 
three uh, 15 teams, Clemson, Georgia, and I should have known this because we got ripped by him, LSU was oh, the yes. three uh, 15-0 teams. We and got of course, blessed. Alabama, you are correct, 13-0 um, in 2020. That LSU team ripped us, too, in the championship game. They, they did us Yep. <laughs> I don't know how I forgot Burrow. Yeah, I don't know how that happened. Um, but but I, think, I think that team, and you could debate Clemson, maybe. Mm-hmm. But I think the 19 team, or say the Cam Newton-Auburn team, or the Jameis Winston Florida State National Champions, those teams – now, I'm not taking anything away from LSU. That's a phenomenal program. And I think in the long term, Brian Kelly and LSU are going to be a bigger threat to the University of Georgia and their position inside the conference than Alabama is if we look out a decade. So with that said, those teams, and especially the LSU team when it happened in 19, look at what happened the next two seasons, mm-hmm. right? They just fell off. So those teams were like catching lightning in a bottle. I don't think that's what you see with Kirby and the dogs in Athens. I see a program that is just built, as he puts it, to sustain. And it's one of those things where he's a maniacal recruiter. The support is only ramping up due to the success that they've seen on the field the last couple of years. I think George is going to be a problem in the SEC for a while. Yeah, I think, and that was going to lead to the next question. I'm glad you brought that up. And a buddy of mine, we always talk college football, um, especially now more. I think during the off season, I think in July, than we do really May and in the after the spring season, but or spring uh, spring ball is what Kirby Smart's got uh, going in Athens, um, Randy. Is this the next dynasty? And and what I mean by that is. Could we start seeing Georgia and Kirby Smart being the Alabama that we saw the year, the end of the 2000s, headed into the 2010s, and you know periodically throughout uh, that decade, of course, early, to, you know, of course, 2020. But um, could we see Georgia being the next Alabama um, and starting to, uh, in my opinion, I think they passed the tide already. But could we see them being the that Georgia of that decade? I mean, of that Bama of that decade, my bad. Right. Well, I mean, it's like Kirby says. Oh, no. You know, injuries happen. But barring something like that going on, it's one of those things where, I mean, he has said, he said it it at media days. He can say it better than I can. We will not be hunted at the University of Georgia. I can promise you that. That's the philosophy. I love that. That's the philosophy, and that's where we're going. So you will never hear me say, at least not right now, I'm not going to declare this a dynasty or anything else. When I think of a dynasty, I I think it's about sustainability, longevity. Can you do it year over year? Georgia clearly uh, has had two really good years. And if you count back to 2017, right, in the overtime lightning bolt that cost them that national title game against Alabama, if you start counting there, well, then in six years, they've played for it three times and won it twice. That's a pretty doggone good resume, especially when you stack up everything else. But if you start it in 21, which it has some merit, I guess, because we were coming off of the 20 season, which was, you know, it was just sideways for so many reasons at Georgia and so many other places. Mm-hmm. 
and you look at what Alabama was able to do in the midst of that and still go undefeated, I mean, that deserves some respect. So it just matters about where you started. But I'm not going to say that. I think you have to if, – if Georgia pulls off something like that, you know, you win three out of six years or you win uh, – whatever nicking them to four out of six years, you know, you do something like that. Okay. We can have that conversation, but until that happens, I just think you have to take, just like Kirby says, you have to take every season as a completely new team and you have to do the best you can do with that team. Uh, so that's really what I expect from my guys. I expect them to show up and play hard and, and uh, you know, do the best they can for the university and, and we'll go from there. I mean, it, I don't know. It, how do you want to measure them against Alabama? Georgia fans don't. We're not concerned with Alabama. Right. Alabama loves to tell us that we are, but <laughs> we're not. Because just like the Alabama folks do with Nick, we trust in Kirby, right? And if he's, if he's teaching these young men and driving them with the fact that uh, the only standard you have is the standard that we create because of who you're practicing against every day. If that truly is the standard, why would I care about what Alabama's doing? I'm worried about who's going to start at left tackle for us, right? I'm worried about uh, who's going to be that outside linebacker who takes on that left tackle, you know? So uh, I, I just, I think dynasty is a strong word and everybody has a, a very, well, seemingly very fluid interpretation of what that means. Is Georgia a top three program? Absolutely. Are they oh, going to stay there? Yeah. Are they going to stay there? Absolutely. Do I personally think that the University of Georgia is the best program in the country today? Yes, I do. Oh, absolutely. Now, I think Georgia is, is top notch in every category right now in college football. Now that can change, right? It, mm -hmm. it absolutely can change. If, yeah. if if Alabama rolls out there next year and goes 15-0, more power to them. At that point, they are the best program and the best team. And that's the position that Georgia currently holds, in my opinion. They were the best team on the field in the last season that was played, and they are in that position because they are currently the best program, right? They're doing all the things around it. To, to make that happen they were making the investments and doing all the little things so that's why i credit them with that but it's absolutely a fluid situation i'm gonna i'm gonna share these comments uh randy they're oh, my boy. good buddies from the herbert rogers because i can't see them just so we're Herb, that's why i was laughing at the one okay <laughs> that's I don't what, know what the last one's hilarious okay um the first one herbert rogers podcast shout out to them uh they are good people and uh great friends kirby has built a beast and he kept uh, his team physically tough that's why there's they will sustain this success and then that's this right. <laughs> and then this one i'm gonna i'm curious on how you're gonna act on this one is okay. georgia fans are definitely obsessed with alabama i'm a Bama fan praising george and somehow we still get brought up lol okay well that's <laughs> i mean that's fair but the the host asked me so i'm responding <laughs> to your question uh, so, you know, and, and don't misunderstand me. I think Nick Saban is a fantastic leader. of men. Oh, absolutely. I think he's a wonderful football coach. I have nothing but respect for him yeah. and the same for the program that he's built. People used to ask me before Georgia broke through. So we're talking after Kirby smart got there. Mm -hmm. Well, even before that, but we're talking about the current situation. So once Kirby got to Athens, people would ask me, uh, you know, 
who do you want to face? Because they expected that Georgia was going to win the East. So they're like, who do you want to play out of the West? And every year at, at that window, Alabama had been the previous national champion or the previous conference champion. And I would say without hesitation, I want to play Alabama. I want to play whoever comes out of the West because I want to win the conference. The conference championship is extremely important to me as a fan. Right. But I wanted it to be Alabama because I didn't want any question, right? I wanted to, A, see where we were as a program, and B, uh, I didn't want there to be any question if Georgia were to win it, who they beat. I wanted it to be hands down. I wanted to beat the best, right? So you're not going to find me bashing on uh, Alabama. That's just not going to happen. I mean, I, I completely respect them. No, I, I, and, you know, it's funny here, Randy, that here um... – that here in Oklahoma, it's it's funny how we get tired of, of Alabama. It's kind of like the New England Patriots. We want anybody in the Super Bowl but New England. We want anybody in the national title game but Alabama. We want anybody in the playoffs but Alabama. But at the same time, and I'm, I'm with you on this one, is the fact that you can't really argue what he's built at Alabama. I mean, I remember when, you know, Shula was there and Dennis Frenchion was there and that program, I'm sure Herbert Raj probably remembers as well. Those years at Alabama are like nothing compared to what they've gotten to go through now. I mean, those were some pretty bad, tough years. But, um, you know, I can't, re- you know, I'm with you. You got to respect what Nick Saban's done. By far, one of the best to coach in college football. And Kirby Smart's right along with their Georgia. You know, I, and I owe you fans. I know we were, you know, I saw a, a tweet earlier about it that somebody tweeted about the 2018 Rose Bowl, and uh, you know, that one's still a stinger, but um, that was a whale of a game, there's no doubt about it. Well, that was you know, and I'm obviously bringing this up, but or discussion about it, but you know, that was the game that I've never uh, that 21 no, well, that 21 Red River Rival was pretty shoot up, that 2020 is what I'm thinking of. That one was a doozy, but I don't think it beats out 2018 Rose Bowl. But I think at the end of the game, I could not go to sleep. Not so much because we lost. I mean, that's, you know, it is what it is. But the fact that that energy, my whole adrenaline just, boom, like literally just popped air. And it's like, how can I go to sleep on this? I mean, it's like, Lincoln, why did you squib quick? That Squib kicked that thing before halftime. Anyway, yeah. but... Yeah, um, I- that kick, I mean, you know, we can – there's a whole lot just from a Georgia perspective. Oh, yeah. There's a whole lot to look at, at that in that game and say, mm-hmm. wow, what a – just for – obviously for us, it was just tremendously important key moments that occurred. So that kick gave Rodrigo that opportunity, and he, you know, drills it, changed the momentum of the game. And the performance from from the guys in that game uh, in the red and black, that at that point – all of Dog Nation, we believed, we wanted to know if they had what we hoped they had. And that was one of those games where it just declared to us, oh, this is this is right. These dudes are the dudes. And, you know, even if they had lost that game, they did so much to just show that uh, the university, you know, was in the headed in the right direction and, and the program was headed in the right direction and that those – players that were making all those plays in that game, like Chubb and Michelle and, and those guys, you see, obviously they've gone on to do great things in the league. um, I mean, it's, you know, it it just said a lot for Georgia fans too. You know, it just worked out that it was positive for us. And, 
and the seeds of that and what made what happened in the national title game for Georgia so painful was the fact that one of the biggest moments in the history of Georgia football, and especially under Kirby Smart, is when Sony and Nick and Lorenzo Carter and all those dudes decided that they were going to come back. And when, when they made that choice, that reset the trajectory for this program. Mm-hmm. So Georgia has a lot to thank, a lot of people to thank, Georgia fans do, when it comes to that team and those decisions and those players and the way they went out and represented the university, especially against a school like Oklahoma, who we all had tremendous respect for. Yep. I mean, I, I'm not I, – I, I don't personally believe in Lincoln Riley that much. Because I see him as as a one trick pony, I see him mm-hmm. as a one sided kind of deal. Like you know, not a, not a balanced team. I'm not saying he's not a great coach or or any of that. But I have tremendous respect for Oklahoma and the program and the history, and for Georgia to go out and play that way in that game. It it was a serious point of pride for guys who you know a program that was new to the block, mm-hmm. as it were, on the national stage right there. No, absolutely. I mean. You got what well, Oklahoma was. That was their eighteen. We were in there, what fifteen, sixteen. I think was Auburn. That might, might have been nineteen. No, sixteen. I think was Auburn. Seventeen was a bowl game. Was seventeen then? Anyway, but you know the point of the matter is is the fact that um, yeah, that would be yeah. You know, I don't know. Anyway, so but no, I, I think crazy stat. Sorry to I don't. No, you're before. good. Before we get off of Oklahoma, I heard a crazy thing today, which I didn't know, and I should have known. But if Oklahoma were to win the Big 12 in the final season this year, that would be the 15th conference title in this century. Is that correct? That is correct. The first one. So Bob Stoops came in in 99 Mm -hmm. and uh, won it, of course, in 2000. Then it was 2002. 2003. That's when we got lost. 2004, Texas won in 05. We won in 6, 7, 8, Texas 9. We won in 10. But anyway, yeah, that's – um. and I lost track. I think we go three-peats quite a bit. But, yeah, we won – it will be our 15th in this century, which would be more Big 12 championships, obviously more than national. We're practically double in nationals. And then um, I forgot. I have to find a stat, but it was like – more ch- Big 12 championships, and if not the entire league in itself, for some ridiculous number, and that's including Texas A&M and Nebraska, of course, when they uh, bowed out. But, yeah, that would be our 15th, which the Big 12 is wide open this year. I think Oklahoma, if they can get the quarterback situation better under control, and I think the defense would be better. I think the offense, especially the receiving core, uh, losing Marvin Mims was a tough one. Um, they bring back Austin Stogner, who's been a Sooner before, went out to South Carolina. Uh, with Spencer um, and came back. I think that's a huge help, but if they can get those missing pieces, um, that was an issue last year. I think they will be perfectly fine, but yeah, 15 and hopefully that number 15 will be just a tad bit sweeter than uh, the previous 14 one uh, was. Oh, we might've lost him. The uh, Herbert Raj, last one they have a show to do tonight. Uh, Georgia is the best, and they deserve that. Good, sh- uh, good show, guys. I am out, Rotide, and I believe we may. 
Yep, Randy's down for a little bit. Technical difficulties, but uh, we'll get that taken care of. Randy, the uh, host of the damn media. Going um, on here. Well, here we go. Maybe not. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, thought we had him for a split second. Randy, the host of a damn. If I can actually talk here, damn beast media podcast, phenomenal work. Um, everything Georgia all day, every day, 24 seven. And, uh, we will, uh, continue the show in hopes that, uh, Randy will be able to come back on. But of course, you know, talking Georgia and Oklahoma football, Georgia and Oklahoma was scheduled, I believe was week two of this year. And needless to say that was, um, you know, move to a later date, canceled, if you will, simply because, of course, if you've been sleeping on the rock, uh, Oklahoma is going to the SEC starting in 2024. We'll talk about the SEC uh, conference schedule for Oklahoma and Georgia. And I would like to get, you know, hopefully we can get everything worked out. Uh, we'd like to get his take on that SEC uh, football schedule for Georgia because it is, a, in my opinion, one of the groups I think Oklahoma's Delta hand, but I know, <clears throat> I know Georgia, um, of course, has a hand in that as well, referring to their, um, referring to their conference schedule. I'm pulling up here really, really quick. Hopefully, we can get this going if the internet will be kindly to us. Georgia in 2024, we're going to obviously talk more um, if we're able to get him up. But uh, 24, of course, Oklahoma, Georgia, and Randy's back. Uh, Georgia, Oklahoma, <clears throat> you know, of course, we'll talk that. But just, yeah. uh, just to let you know, sorry, you mentioned some storms earlier. We've got some boomers rolling through right now. We oh, took God. a lightning bolt and bam. I figured that's probably what it was. I was like, I yeah. kind of kept moving like, it's not me. No. And I know because it's lightning, you know, not bad, bad, but it's, you know, raining pretty well and. I'm like, well, maybe the uh, weather struck. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. And my apologies. But it's like they say, no, you're live, good. live. So here we go. Pretty much filled in. Um, you know, Oklahoma, Georgia was in tech scheduled as a non-conference this year um, in Norman. Of course, that was postponed and moved to a later date. We don't know uh, when. Which brought up, um, you know, the factor of, the 20, real quick, I want to pick your head because I know Georgia got a – I watched your SEC uh, reveal show, and that was really good, and I enjoyed I like the, uh, you know, literally from, from fan base's standpoint. Your, you know, your thoughts on, on that. Well, let's talk 24 uh, SEC, I guess. Oklahoma comes into play. Texas comes into play. The new boys on the block, of course, you know, I know here at least we do have some OU fans are – I mean, I'm not saying we, we won't go in there and win some games, but I don't think in the beginning we're going to be undefeated because there are some delusional fans out there, Randy, that actually believe that we will go undefeated in the SEC in 24, and that's perfectly fine. I, mean, I hope we do, but uh, that's going to be a tough one, um, especially with a brand-new quarterback in play. But, <clears throat> but anyway, so, you know, your thoughts, one, uh, when you found out the news, and it was a quick, rapid – Go. I mean, literally, I didn't know anything about oh, you going to the SEC, let alone Texas. But you know, the the rumors that te- somebody is supposedly from Texas saying them, oh, you in Texas is going to the uh, SEC. Now, whether or not that was true at the point, they were trying to, I don't know what they were trying to do. 
uh, obviously backfired. And literally, literally, it was the the gun went off, and here comes you know OU, here comes Texas, here comes the SEC, and within 24 hours, it's boom, 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 OU, Texas is in. And so your your initial thoughts on OU, Texas, go into the SEC from uh, from a Georgia standpoint, and also from a SEC standpoint, um, as a fan of the SEC in general, and of course Elga, um as well. What are your perspective when you first heard the news that Oklahoma and Texas, we know Oklahoma and Texas, highly a lot of tradition, both within their programs. I think Oklahoma beats them out just a tad bit. But, you know, I got to respect somewhat to Texas. Uh, not really. Um, but to our stepbrothers, um, what was your first initial of, of OU and our stepbrother going to the SEC and uh, being a part of, in my opinion, the best conference in college football? Well, the news broke last offseason. So I guess for the general public, it may have taken people by surprise. There had been rumblings in SEC land that something was about to happen. Uh, so when the news actually happened, I wasn't completely floored. Uh, right. But when they started talking about how quickly they were going to come into the league, the window of how things were going to move, uh, I was like, wow, okay, so this is, we're serious. We're going to make it happen. And um, from a national perspective, it's like I said earlier, mm -hmm. I have tremendous respect for Oklahoma and I have respect for Texas. Um, I will say this though, whenever Texas A&M and Texas used to play their matchup, I always pulled yep. for Texas A&M, right? Yep. I always rooted against the Longhorns. Uh, when Oklahoma plays Texas, generally it goes the same way. Like I'm rooting against the Longhorns. I'm, I'm rooting for Oklahoma. <laughs> and there were some tremendous Oklahoma teams uh, that, you know, had tremendous players along the way that, that were just just phenomenal to watch, you know. So it wasn't too hard to, as a fan, root for Oklahoma in those games. But – and you mentioned earlier that sometimes you get tired of the same team winning, Alabama winning, or, or whatever it might be. I, there was a window, like you said, in the early 2000s and the mid-2000s right there where, as a Georgia fan, uh, we were winning – you know, 10 games, we were competing in our conference, but we always looked at Oklahoma as, man, they're just always there. You know, maybe when Bob Stoops leaves, that'll somebody else can wiggle in and, and get in the game, you know. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I, I, again, I have tremendous respect. Now, um, and, and it's just, there's a certain amount of cachet, too, for both of those teams. Just the brands are good, the logos are good, so it's just fun to think of them coming into the conference. So, the thing that I – I think we're pushing it, right? But that's the way of the new college football. But I do love the fact that the SEC has been able to maintain regionality uh, when they're adding the schools that they have chosen to add to the conference. And in doing that, the SEC is the only conference that is engaged in realignment in a serious way that has managed to not only maintain – traditional rivals, but also rekindle and strengthen others. So with Texas and Oklahoma both coming into the league, clearly that gets to continue. Texas coming back into the conference means now they're going to play A&M. That's mm -hmm. going to happen every year. That's going to be fantastic. And if you look at the other things that we've done, we've been able to maintain Georgia, Florida, uh, Georgia, Auburn, uh, Auburn, Alabama, 
you know, there, there are things in here that just need to not go away. And we've been able to do that inside this conference and maintain one of the things that I love about college football. It's the reason that I prefer college football over the NFL. If I'm just going to sit down and watch a random football game, I would rather it be a college game than an NFL yeah. game for that very reason. Bragging rights matter. And when you keep the schools regional, it just adds that extra layer for us fans, right? Because now you know, and and you can educate me a little bit here because I talk to a lot of people who run in Big Ten circles, right. and the way they handle football is different than the way the SEC handles football, meaning the footprint. Okay, so like here in the South, you have spring football every year. You're practicing all summer, seven on seven. You're in the weight room. Everything revolves around football season, even at the high school level. Whereas in the Big Ten, a lot of schools don't even have spring ball, right? So, or a lot of states. So, it's just not the same. the The focus, the intensity focused on it, is not the same. Uh, so. I feel that Texas is very much in that vein. I, mm -hmm. I would assume that Oklahoma is much like your new brothers and that you take it seriously mm -hmm. and that, you know, it's an all year kind of thing. So from that perspective, I think obviously it's a very natural fit. Oklahoma and, and Texas take it very seriously. They're coming into a league that takes it very seriously. And yeah, okay, you may not go undefeated in your first year in the conference. You know, uh, I would say I wouldn't bet my mortgage on that if I were you. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> at least you know the game, right? When you sit down to the table, you're like, okay, we might have to do some things to, you know, level up. Mm -hmm. And I'm not, I don't know your program that well, but you can identify that for yourself. But you're like, yeah, we got to level up. Um, but at least it's not something completely foreign to you, right? It's not, it's not, we play seven on seven all season and then we line up against an SEC school and get punched in the face for four quarters, right? It's not the, yeah. it's not this, it's different. It, now, I, I think earlier when we were talking about what makes Georgia sustainable, what makes Alabama sustainable, what I think Brian Kelly is attempting to do at LSU, what I know uh shane beamer uh is trying to do what i know they're trying to do at kentucky is they understand that it's not just the great players in the conference it's the fact that you have depth yep. and great players so the third group that rolls in is as good as the first group well maybe not like first round draft pick good but they certainly can handle their own they have the right body type they have the right uh, skill set, right, to where you don't see this drastic drop-off. So as OU and Texas come into the league, I think it's just that simple. It's not about scheme. It's not about the coaches at this level. What I mean, and I'll explain, it's about do you have the right pieces to play the game uh, in the conference? And so Texas and, and OU may have to level that up a little bit, right, along the lines of scrimmage, particularly the defensive line. Um, mm -hmm. but when you're in that top tier where Kirby, Nick, uh, let's throw for, for argument's sake, let's throw big 10 schools, Michigan, uh, Ohio state. Ohio state yeah. yeah. Cause especially Ohio state, they have been recruiting at that level. So when you know, you have the pieces, that's where the coaching comes in. 
can you motivate the players? Do you make the good hires at assistant? You know, do you know the game to make the crucial timeout call when you need to or whatever? Um, but you ha- there's a certain level of entry. There's a certain cost to even get in the game. And I think that might be the biggest road bump as Texas and Oklahoma come into the league. It's not that they don't have great players or great coaches or any of that. Great support. They absolutely do. Wonderful history. They might need to, you know, just beef up the lines of scrimmage and and that depth that I was talking about. And then we can talk about, you know, competing uh, at a a conference championship level. And that, that, again, no disrespect there. I just think that's what's going to play out. Well, no, I think, and that's the right thing. When you're recruiting, you know, of course – you can always have the argument. Well, Lincoln recruited; he recruited offensive players that fit his system. That's what he recruited. He really the biggest thing was Lincoln. I think, and I nobody really is going to know why Lincoln left Oklahoma and Southern California. We don't really know. And is there a truth to some truth that he probably got scared? And you know, from what I heard behind closed doors, is the fact that he did, well, there's a lot of things that went behind closed doors that. Probably many people don't know, but one of them was the fact that, you know, it was about the Jordan brand, what he can and can't wear on the sideline. That was an issue. And, you know, the biggest thing, uh, from my understanding, was the SEC. You know, he nobody approached Lincoln about the SEC and got his input and this, that, and something else. And, of course, I could see where, you know, if that is true, I could see to a degree, like, well, I'm the head coach of Oklahoma. You know, why wasn't I included? Well, no offense, Lincoln, but like Bob said, there's no not one person, you know, bigger than this brand. So, you know, you look at Oklahoma as a brand. I think they're fine, but recruiting is still going to be the biggest thing I think for Oklahoma. I think that's. I'm going to contradict myself here because I've been, you know, I've said on multiple episodes that I liked the Venables hiring, but I would have went with Dan Lanning. I just would have. That was my guy. I would really was hoping for, but. You know, defensive-wise, we'll be fine. I mean, obviously, he knows what it takes to win the SEC, even though he was with Clemson. But, hey, he faced the Alabamas. He faced the Georgias. So he knows what big yeah. boy football is. And so, you know, he's been there, done that, winning national titles uh, at Clemson. So he's been there. But the offensive side, you know, can Jeff Webby recruit what what it takes in the SEC? So far, so good. I mean, obviously, we'll find out in, in years' time. But, you know, facilities has been another one especially in, you know, non-football related. But I know the football stadium is going to get some big-time renovations after this year. But, you know, you're looking at uh, baseball, Dale O. Mitchell Park. You're looking at we got brand-new softball, which I think the softball team is going to be perfectly fine regardless of where they they land up at. But, I mean, they're just just too good. Um, The LNC, the Lloyd Noble Center, uh, the basketball arena. Uh, That needs to be – needs to be worked out but no i mean facility wise it's if he's if long story short randy so my dad's an ou alumni and so the lnc was built when my dad was a freshman and now he's he'll be 65 this year built when he was a freshman and the same seats that he sat in is the same seats that still exist so (laughs) the lnc is old and ran down and that's where we're at (laughs) so you know, facilities wise, I think the facilities is the biggest thing, but recruiting and all in general, I think in other sports, I mean, I'm not, I don't follow deeply like soccer. I mean, I know we're in, eh. but you know, softball, I'm not worried about baseball, basketball. I'm really concerned. I think in the sec, I think they're going to have a tough, tough time competing in the sec. Really? 
Yeah. Well, and here's why I'm in, you know, you're looking at a team that finished second to last or dead last last year in the Big 12 that overall failed miserably in the NCAA tournament. They kind of faltered out really quick. And so the men's program just really hasn't been the same. You know, you got uh, what? Sweet 16, Final Four was in 16. Blake Griffin, when he was there, the lead eight well, that year was, what, nine or – Sam Bradford won the Heisman in, what, eight? So I think that was an eight. I think was a final – was a elite eight. But, you know, the basketball team really hasn't had that great program. They don't draw people, number one. <clears throat> they, do, they don't draw people. Last year when we beat number one Alabama, when we stormed the court, it was hilarious simply because, one, that was not our best team. Two, we beat the best team in college basketball, regardless of what people say. And that was our last, like, really, really, really good win. Mm. So basketball, men's basketball, women's basketball, I think it's fine. But, you know, going back to football, I think the defense a lot. I think the O-line's o doing fine with uh, uh, Coach B Bill. The D-line, I think, is fine. They just got to beef up some. Got to get some mean guys, kind of like the old – the 2000s with Oklahoma, Tommy Harris and Dusty Dvorak and Jerry McCoy and all, you know, get those mean guys, nasty guys that just want to hit. You know, I think that's what Oklahoma needs. Well, that's the thing, too. I mean, those names you rattle off, when if those dudes are in Oklahoma, they are not in Athens, no. right? And, and that's the thing. There are only so many of those body types there are only so many dudes that can do it that way at that mm -hmm. size and you pointed to recruiting and the thing and you'll just have to let me know uh because i'm just not that familiar right, right. about the 12 and how it works inside the conference and who you're competing against for recruits but inside the sec i mean it is shark infested mm -hmm. waters right like it yep. never stops when you're recruiting so when you look at a team like tennessee which is a wonderful historical brand mm -hmm. uh historical brand they've been kind of lost in the wilderness right for the last decade or so uh, and they've been a mess in a lot of ways but yep. one of the reasons that they had that issue was because when they won their national title in 98 that team was loaded with dudes from atlanta right from north carolina from south carolina then Dabo shows up at clemson he starts to get those dudes to stay home he starts pilfering georgia and north carolina and going to florida for those elite players at wide receiver and things like that and you still had alabama auburn Georgia, um, all the traditional South Carolina, you know, all the traditional schools right there that are vying for these type of players out of this footprint. When more teams are good or on the upcome or the come up rather, uh, that just means that a school like Tennessee, who their state only turns out three, you know, top flight athletes each year, maybe from a national perspective, uh, it's hard for that school to compete unless they can recruit beyond regionally which is nationally and once you start that slide it's hard to maintain that national presence so when i look at a school like oklahoma yes texas is right there so there are crazy players there louisiana's there crazy recruiting there so it seems to me that there are players 
that are in the footprint. So we don't even necessarily have to talk about a national recruiting philosophy here that they could go after. But now they're head to head on the recruiting trail with LSU, with A&M, you know, with Ole Miss right there, with the Georgias who are going to go, Alabamas who are going to go try to get whoever they want. You know, I, I, I just, it's really, there's just not that many players to go around. And the, the recruiting game, especially when we're talking about that depth, right, that the multiples, not one or two guys, but multiples, um, development becomes crucial. And can you win your fair share of those, like, crazy difficult recruiting battles, which is what the SEC is all about. So I'm just interested, do you think Oklahoma is going to be more like an A&M, right, and have some success? <clears throat> And, and what they're doing and what they're pitching and who they can get? Or do you think they might end up more like a Tennessee? Because I don't think of Oklahoma when I think of a state that pumps out top-tier talent. Now, again, maybe I'm wrong, and I know Texas is right there. But it just seems to me that, like, if you look at Georgia, Georgia is churning out Division mm -hmm. one NFL players, right, at every level. Um, so we Georgia can't take them all, right? Right. Going to get some Alabama, you know what I mean. That's how it goes. Yep. You're not going to get every player. So when you look at Oklahoma, I mean, how do you see that playing out? Do you think they're going to do okay, uh, or is it really just going to come down to do we have a guy who's recruiting in Venables who can make the pitch and get the guys? I think Oklahoma. You know, the biggest thing, and I like that question, Randy, is because you know. This past week, there was a question that Bob Stoops was on the uh, local radio station, um, sports radio, and the question was asked that a lot of people believe, and I think it's Colin Coward is one that really started the whole uh, fire brigade, but is Oklahoma the next Nebraska uh, 2.0? <clears throat> the question, you know, we went from a national power to now you're, pat you're on the verge of being non-existent, so to speak. You're just another team in the, in the, in the uh, woodshed. And Bob Stoops, I liked his answer. I think we're seeing this more and more and simply because right down the street from me, and many people probably, if you, when you, especially if you live in Oklahoma and you're listening to the show and watching it, you're going to know exactly where I live. But right down the street from me is a school by the name of Carl Albert High School, one of the best uh, 5A schools in, the, in this country. I don't know, maybe that too, um, in the state. And we, ju you know, we just had a big-time quarterback transfer out of – was in Arizona, Texas, I believe. Transferred up here. He's a committed to Oklahoma. They got their, uh, one of the best running backs in the state committed to Oklahoma. And that's what I like to see with Oklahoma, simply because, and here's why. Under Lincoln, Bob, he did okay. I don't think he did too bad. You know, Jerry McCoy was a Southeast high school kid in Oklahoma City. So, you know, he's a local product. Sam was a local product at Putnam City North. You know, you had some locals here from time to time. But the one thing that Lincoln failed, and I don't know if this was a maybe the state of Oklahoma as a whole didn't realize that eh, maybe we should do better. But Lincoln never attracted Oklahoma kids. He always went for the home run Cali kids, the Arizona kids, you know, the Spencer Rattlers, the Caleb Williams, and you know these big top notch kids, Mario Williams, who went who uh, went out with uh, Caleb to USC, and Relique Brown, who's a Cali kid that went back to Cali to be with USC when. He decommitted from OU because of USC, but OU under Lincoln never really recruited Oklahoma. That's what I like about Brent. And Brent came out to say, hey, I'm going to recruit within the state because we're missing the point. There's some, still some good kids. 
they may not be five stars. There ain't many five star kids in Oklahoma. That's that's gonna be five stars. But you know, I can name Jinx High School, Tulsa Union High School, Bigsby, which hasn't lost a game since I got. I don't know when. Um, they're just dominant. Carl Albert High School, Bishop McGinnis, Millwood has produced some products. Douglas from time to time will uh, from time to time uh, produce. But we got the smaller schools. I don't know randomly off schools. Like, what the heck are you talking about? But, you know, the smaller schools, the the, Al- the Alex, the Jones, the Luthers. I mean, you know, some some smaller schools, you know. Oh, um, I can see his name. I cannot. I can see his face. I cannot see. His, I can't. His name's on the top of my tongue. He plays center now for the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, my God. Come on, Michael. Seriously. Oh, my God. Oh, um, Humphreys, Creed Humphrey. Okay. You know, he's from Shawnee, Oklahoma kid. So one thing about Brent that I like that he and he admitted that he's going to do is attract more Oklahoma kids. Obviously, he's still going to go out outside of tech, you know, into Texas and into the, you know, at least he's got an East Coast presence from his days in Clemson. Right. So that helps. Um, while back. Oklahoma expanded into, I think Florida was the first time they've ever got a recruit out of there and East Coast, you know, up in the Northeast Washington and all them. But, you know, Randy, long story short was, is, you know, Bob, <laughs> you know, practically saying, oh, he's not going to be two point on Nebraska. He says, we got Dallas, we got Houston, we got Austin, we got, I mean, we got Texas. So, I mean, compared to Nebraska, what do you got? You got Lincoln. Right. Well, right. everybody else is not going to Lincoln because there's nothing else out there. So I think Oklahoma <clears throat> it won't well if they don't watch themselves, they could be. I don't think they will be Nebraska. But recruiting wise, I like seeing Brent. It really means a lot to me personally, because you know, we're a you know, Oklahoma kid. You know, there's a lot of talent in Oklahoma. They're not five stars. They're not there will be you know quite a bit of four stars, but you know, this running back we just got, I think is <clears throat> you know, he he's a stud. And so quarterback's really good. So I'm glad that Brent's finally going local. I mean, that doesn't mean he's going to stop going to Georgia and all of them, but he realizes sometimes you got to go local. And you never know. This local team may – who knows what they're going to do in the SEC. But, no, recruiting I think is going to be still the biggest thing. I think that that's when the NIL comes to play, regardless of everybody's thoughts on it. You know, That's another whole topic. Is it good for college football? Is it not good for college football? Does it take you know out of the way out of these other schools? Who really knows? But Oklahoma, I mean, at the end of the day, I agree with you is the fact that Oklahoma's still gonna have to recruit. They're still gonna have to somehow, some way get these big nasty kids on the D-line, O-line, you know, linebackers. Hey, here's you know, yeah, Georgia and Alabama, they've won the last decade practically. But here's why you should come to Oklahoma. Boom, 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 boom. You know, I don't know what the selling pitch is. I don't know. Um but um, they still got to recruit those big time kids. I mean, yeah. Well, <clears throat> like you said, there's not, only so many to go around. If I'm not mistaken, uh, there's a there's a five star edge player right now that Oklahoma's in the mix with Georgia uh, for Inwinary. He's out of Missouri, maybe. Uh, Missouri. So yeah, I mean, yeah, you gotta go. You gotta try to go get the best players. And right. with Venable being a defensive guy, it doesn't surprise me at all that he's gonna have a good pitch. You know, for those guys, uh, it's just. And again, I know I said it earlier, but it's worth making the point. If we're talking about coming into the SEC, if that's the thing that teams that are not in the SEC and fans of teams that are not in the SEC, that you, 
they, they don't really appreciate or realize. And I always couch that by saying, and why would you? It's not your conference. You wouldn't know because you're not watching it that closely. Exactly. But the difference, the difference <clears throat> between um, the difference between the top tier teams inside the conference and the teams in the middle and then at the bottom, they all have players that are four star players. Mm-hmm. The difference is Alabama, LSU, Georgia, uh, whoever's you know on top, whoever that happens to be, they've probably got eight defensive linemen that can play every Saturday and Vanderbilt, you know, they're trotting out that one guy and then he's got his buddies that are, you know, Johnny Tryhard. And I mean, no disrespect, but they're just not the same caliber of player. So you might have two stars and three stars lining up next to this one, four or five star athlete at Vanderbilt. Whereas at Alabama, you're going to have, you know, all those dudes are going to be four star dudes, you know, and, and it, it, Development is just crucial because I know I look at Georgia and I follow their recruiting. You know, I'm not a recruit Nick, but I do follow it. And to see when Georgia offers an offensive tackle, for example, that has the correct body size, but may only be rated as a three-star guy. um, I do not bat my eyes at that at all. And when they offer him in May and get him to go ahead and commit, I'm like, yeah, I don't doubt that at all. I don't care. I don't care what some recruiting group says his star rating is. That tells me that the coaching staff has worked the kid out. They like his body type and they know that they can develop him to be the kind of player that they need him to be. And if you're Georgia, all you have to do is point to the recent drafts and say, look, mm-hmm. what we're doing, we're recruiting players. But um if you can get those dudes, like you said, you can take a three-star player and turn them into, you know, an NFL draft pick. It's absolutely possible. Mm-hmm. Um, you just have to have the staff and the coaches that are, you know, that know what they're doing and are willing to do that. I mean, just look at Georgia, David Pollock, who was in the news this week. That's a three-star dude. Played fullback at North Gwin- or Central Gwinnett uh, right here. No, South Gwinnett, sorry. South Gwinnett right here. Uh, about 30 minutes from my house. Three-star dude, sort of an afterthought. And then what was he? Uh, two-time, three-time All-American, mm-hmm. right? NFL draft pick, you know. So it's about, in in those cases, it's about development. And that just has to be a part of, part of your program. You need the talent. You have to develop. Even the five-star dudes have to be developed in terms of how to work. You know what I mean? What does it take to to win? And that is a lot of the difference between Mark Richt, Georgia, and Kirby Smart, Georgia. Georgia had wonderful players in the Mark Richt era, but it's those extra things. It's that push. It's that work. The, doing the things that the other guys aren't doing that's mattering, that's making the difference right now for Georgia. And, again, Jordan Davis, right? First-round draft pick. Some people say he should have gotten a Heisman invitation. That dude was a three-star dude out of North Carolina that, you know, was uh, viewed to be overweight out of high school. So mm-hmm. development matters. Well, no, and, and that's perfectly right because, you know, <clears throat> um, you know, Oklahoma, for example, Coach Bindenbo, uh, our offensive line coach, one of the best in college football. I mean, what was back in – what was it, 2018, I think, is the year that we won, whatever that word is, with the, you know, top O-line. Uh, yeah, but, uh, you know, it speaks volume because, you know, it goes back to that. I'm not a huge guy on, oh, he's a five-star. Let's see how many five-star guys we get coming. And 
I won't lie. I was scrolling through here real quick, just seeing who in the past decade <clears throat> who was three stars that went on to be NFL picks. And then I ran through two, uh, the 2014 and 2015. And, you know, there was two offensive linemen. That was Orlando Brown and Cody Ford, who uh, Ford's a phenomenal player. Uh, I believe he's still with Buffalo. I know NFL kind of goes around and around nowadays. And, of course, Orlando Brown with the Kansas City Chiefs. So, who just got done winning Super Bowl. So, I mean, development matters, and that's where the great coaches come into play. You know, I think Brent Venables is going to get this thing turned around. He just – the only bad – and I'm going to – you know, there's nothing bad towards him or towards Oklahoma. Unfortunately, with OU fans, and I'm, and you're, I'm sure throughout time you'll catch on pretty quick, Randy, is we're very impatient. I really don't know why, <laughs> but we are. We lose, we win by three points and the world ends. I mean, I I don't understand this, but you know, I think if Oklahoma struggles again this year, I don't know. I'm sure OU fans will want Brent Venables' head off. I don't, you know, that's well. Heck, Bob Stoops loses two games a year. They want him gone. Lincoln, well, Lincoln, that was at least you know he had that, but you know, Lincoln won a lot of games, and but well, he can't win the playoff. He needs to be fired. Right. Okay, Touche on that. But the fact of the matter is, there's a lot of universities out here that want to be where Oklahoma's at, where one to be where Georgia's at. And even if they don't win every year, you know, we gear in and gear out that, you know, at least we play for the national championship or we were in the uh, final four, whatever. So no uh, development matters. Recruiting matters. I think Oklahoma's going to be perfectly fine. You know, is it going to, are they going to have some growing pains in the SEC? Oh, absolutely. I'm not going to sit here and say, Oh, Randy, you guys better get ready. Cause we're going to come in there and beat the, you know, what? Nah, come on guys. Hey, if we go in there week year one and go undefeated, hey, we got the right <laughs> we got the right coach now. But no, I think we'd be perfectly fine. I will still go out on Mike and say that I was a Dan Lanning guy, and he was my top choice. I know Brent uh, is home for us, but sometimes you got to go out on the limb. But no, I think we'll be fine. Just oh, you fans, you're you're out there listening. God, I love God. Be patient. We'll be all right. Well, uh, you know, I I can promise you this. Uh, OU fans are not the only ones who, who <laughs> have a quick trigger. I mean, for goodness sake, like they want to fire Ryan Day at Ohio State. So, yep. uh, you know, two, he loses two to Michigan, and there you go. So, mm-hmm. uh, and and that was Coach Rick's big deal, right? I mean, yep. he would lose he would lose games against Florida and and things like that. Mm-hmm. Lost a couple to Georgia Tech. You know, the rivalries matter. Uh, so, uh, but. It's, I think, I mean, uh, Venables, uh, I like him. I always, I always appreciated his defense when he was at Clemson. And when those teams won, right, that's what they had playmakers on offense and a just stout defense. So he knows what to look for. He knows who to go get. Uh, it again, it comes back to can you now get them? when you're head to head against these major schools and, and maybe they've always been head to head with these guys, you know, but uh, I just, from firsthand experience, you know, I just know how cutthroat it is inside the conference for, for those players. It's, it is doggy dog. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, I, I think I know OU has like, I know the quarterback's coming back and uh, the defense has to be better because it, it wasn't very good last year. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I think I think OU, I think OU and Texas. Honestly, uh, I think it's great for those two schools that this year is not the year that you're in the SEC. You've oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got a year to to get loaded for Bear, 
and and still implement your systems if you, if these two coaches remain at those schools keep working on building your program and then you'll hit the ground in the conference running and you know it'll it you'll learn and the league will learn mm -hmm. that OU and Texas are not the Big 12 uh you know air raid not to you know not to mention your name here but you're good that these teams, <laughs> these teams are not those teams if you know no. what I mean. they're coming in with a different different body type a different philosophy and and they're going to fit in just fine inside the conference i'm i'm not concerned about that and i'm happy to have them especially when you look at what the big 10 is doing uh, now listen i think if you had to draw like go back in history and say who is messing up college football it's probably the big 10 right when they go and poach the schools from the yep. west and it destroys that regionality that i was talking about before that's just my fan take, okay? That's just me as purely speaking as a fan. Um, but if things are moving, and I don't believe that the SEC moving forward is going to add schools as a knee-jerk reaction no. to respond to what anyone else is doing, uh, I think they will continue to add only when it's value added for the conference. So in the future, will expansion happen? Probably, maybe. Um I just don't think that the SEC is in any hurry to do that. And if they were going to move right now, I think that OU and Texas were the best two options that were on the table. No, I'm with you on that one. I think right now, um, I think Oklahoma, Texas is probably their, obviously their best choice. And I think that they probably would have at the same time, probably brought them in all at once. I, I think, you know, you always hear Clemson's name being brought mentioned. And I guess geographically, I guess you can fit that in there, but, you know, long table, do they, you know, can they win? And that's the thing, you know, and we have to think, is, you know, well, it's Clemson, they're doing phenomenal ACC, but can they keep the trend in, in the SEC? I guess you can say the same for Oklahoma with, well, they've had obviously a lot of success in the Big 12 and especially since 2000. And can they do the same in the SEC? I think eventually they will. And Texas has, and, you know, as much as I don't like our little brothers. I think that uh, they'll have success in, in in the SEC win. Who knows? But um, but you know, I think Florida State was name brought up. I think at the SEC right now is perfect. But I, I'm with you on that one from a just a flat out you know fan standpoint. I'm not even talking about OU in general. I think from the fan point standpoint, I think it's hilarious that Lincoln Riley bounced OU because they were leaving <laughs> for the Big Twelve for the SEC, and the contrary that they're now bouncing to Pac twelve for the Big Twelve. I think that's kind of hilarious. But, but I mean, to each its own. But I think it is ruining college, and I shouldn't say ruining college football, but it's making it really different, especially that West Coast brand, because that Pac 12 is a special kind of brand compared to what the Big 10 is and what the Big 12 is and the SEC. I mean, the SEC is obviously the big boys on the block. The Big 12, we just don't have defense. Nobody has defense. So we just score 60 points, and whoever the first one to 70 points really wins the game. You know, that was kind of – that was a fun ordeal with Texas Tech. But, you know, Big Tens that ground and pound, low-scoring affair, very rarely will they crack 20 points, <clears throat> so to speak. But it's going to be interesting how this all plays out next year. USC, UCLA, I don't really see them big being a Big Ten school, but whatever. Um, <laughs> going out there, it's going to be interesting. From a fan standpoint, yeah, it's, it's going to murder it. But Well, how about – I'm on record as saying that if you just look at the trajectory of money, mm -hmm. right? So the television deals that are driving the Big Ten moves, 
the television deal that the SEC has that will be renegotiated in the not too distant future. Um, and you look at which schools bring in the most money now, which schools are having success now, what they spend on recruiting and facilities and upgrades and things like that. And then you look at a conference like the Big 12 and what the Pac-12 is going forward. I'm on record as saying I don't think the Big 12 ever wins another national title in football. Oh, mm -hmm. You know, that doesn't mean TCU can't be really good. It doesn't mean that another school or two can't come up there and play with them and, you know, be a national program that's respected. But when they have to go head to head against schools, yeah. either in the Big Ten or in the SEC, I just don't think that they're ever going to be able to make up that difference because at, things begin to compound at some point, right? And the teams that are out in front stay out in front unless the system changes. So I think the Big 12 is in danger of never winning another football national title, even though they played for one last year, but we mm -hmm. saw how it played out, right? So, um, and I know one game is not, not the rule, right? And that game could have played out a bunch of different ways if things had gone differently, but uh, we saw what we saw, you know? Mm -hmm. So uh, just on the hoof, you look at, the athletes that Georgia had versus the athletes that TCU have. And the, they just aren't the same down the roster, if you know what I mean. So uh, I think that's one of the issues that the Big 12 is going to have in the future. And we'll see what the Pac-12 or Pac, whatever they turn into, can be uh, moving forward. For the Pacific Coast, I think Lanning at Oregon is doing his dead level best mm -hmm. to recreate what he saw in the SEC. And if he can pull that together – that program at Oregon is going to rule the roost out there on the West Coast from everything I can see. Doesn't mean that the other schools, Washington, can still be good, you know. But I just, the way he's, the body type, the philosophy, that sort of stuff that he's doing out there, I think Lanning's ultimately going to be very successful. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I think, you know, Big 12 as a whole, I think is you're going to see the end. They may not fold up like we thought they would obviously with Oklahoma Texas leaving like oh the Big 12 was like what are we gonna do you know a lot of teams were like uh you know we're gonna should we jump should we not jump of course Big 12 rallied together and brought brought their pom-poms and you know brought in four teams which is four teams that I thought was pretty interesting you got the Central Florida you get the more Florida market Cincinnati Houston which is a big market and of course uh BYU out west which was interesting but I still like to pick up you know but I don't uh you know, top to bottom, Randy, I just don't see them. Who can be that team? Can TCU keep the consistency? We've seen Baylor, Oklahoma State, you know, they can't, you know, Mike, poor Mike Gundy, to an extent, poor Mike Bun, Bun, uh, Gundy, our little brother, they just can't, uh, the spotlight's too big for him. But, um, but other than that, that's all you got in Big 12 now. I mean, so in Central Florida, you know, they're, they claim that they they're still national champions in 2017. So, to each its own on that thing. But uh, well, the Big 12. <laughs> I, notice I didn't say that that will not be a very entertaining conference. I mean, the football will probably be really good as far as on a competitive level across the conference, week in and week out, mm -hmm. because all those teams are sort of right there together. They are. Yep. And I don't know if anybody's going to be able to separate right. So that would be the thing. But that doesn't mean the Big 12 won't be great college football. Mm -hmm. I think it will. I just I just don't see them as stepping up and taking on a top-tier school from, you know, and beating a top-tier school exactly. from, from the Big Ten or from the SEC uh, moving forward. And um, 
And, you know, it, it's all cyclical. You know, you're not going to win every year. Georgia's not going to win every year. I, I mean, we're talking about a three-peat earlier. The ball is shaped funny, and it takes odd bounces. You know, mm-hmm. stuff happens. That's fine. Yeah. As a fan and as an alumni of the program, what I want is to know that they're doing it the right way, they're investing, they're working hard, and we take our shot, right? That's all you can ask, especially in this conference. That, that's all you can do. Get to Atlanta, take your shot, right? Yep. That's, that's where it starts. And then once you start to win, you just, as a Georgia fan, you just be thankful that you got that, that W, you know? Like, awesome, we did that, man. And then they went back out and did this thing again the next year, which I didn't let myself believe that was even possible until we got down halfway through last season. You know, so I just wouldn't let myself yeah. believe it was possible. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm hopeful for 23, but I will never take it for granted. And so, uh, <laughs> all I can say is just you know, come in, enjoy the ride, and and don't let you know some perceived failure. Don't let your pride be hurt if you lose three games. You could lose three games to the three best mm-hmm. teams in the nation in this conference. So you can have an outstanding team and an outstanding year and still have three losses. <laughs> you know, that's, that's how it is. It's, so. yeah. No, absolutely. Speaking of 23, as we wind uh, down the home stretch, uh, you looking at uh, 23 schedule for Georgia and Tennessee, Martin ball state. Of course, that was the uh, replacement game for, uh, for Georgia when um, Oklahoma was the uh, team that went to the sec. Then right. you get South Carolina, which can be a little interesting simply because, Coach Beamer is a great guy. He's got that program rolling. Uh, Spencer Rattler seems to be maybe a better quarterback than he was in Oklahoma. We'll see this year for year two for him. UAB, of course, then you go to Auburn. You get Mark Stoops in Kentucky at home. Then, you you know, you, you go to Nashville for a nice trip for that na- because, uh, you know, you got Vandy, which, you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> Georgia, I mean, Georgia, Florida and Jacksonville. Of course, you got Missouri, Ole Miss, Tennessee on the road, Georgia Tech on the road. Right. Look, uh, looking looking at your schedule for you guys, um, is there any, you know, non-conference wise? I think you guys are perfectly fine. Um, I would. I don't see an upset at all in that thing. Conference wise, is there any team? I know Florida um, can always, but you don't know what kind of team you're gonna get out of them. Does that Knoxville trip uh, to Tennessee for you guys this year? Did that kind of give you a little? A little worrisome because, uh, you know, Josh Hype has got them in the right direction in Knoxville. I can I can walk you through and and let you know kind of what I'm looking at. So South Carolina is always a game that the Gamecocks are up for. They you know they are all about beating Georgia. That's one of those rivalries that's a little unbalanced. They think it's a bigger rivalry than it is, right? For from Georgia's perspective, speaking historically, mm-hmm. no disrespect. That's just the way it is. So they're always going to come in jazzed up. I do like what Beamer's doing there. I don't think they have the roster to make that happen in Athens in right. 23. So moving ahead to Auburn, Auburn, that one just keep an eye on, just because it you will learn. Auburn is a very hard place to play even when they're not good. If they are good, it is a downright snake pit to go play. So um, Hugh Freeze, say what you will about the man. They are going to be better, and uh, they're going to be dangerous because of what they do. And if they start to believe in themselves a little bit, that could be a little dicey 
for uh, first time starting quarterback, you know, that sort of thing. So just keep a lazy eye on Auburn. That one's tricky. Kentucky, at the end of every year, at the, at the, uh, what do they call them? The, the, would you have when the coach sits down with a player, you know, and they talk about the season and where they are in their career and that sort of stuff? Oh, oh. kind of um, more like a um, come to Jesus type of thing. <laughs> well, whenever they do that at Georgia, year after year under Kirby Smart, the team that is mentioned as the most physical and difficult team to play is the Kentucky Wildcats every year. So I'm hmm. happy that game is in Athens because Stoops, they play physical brand of football. Mm -hmm. uh, so that one, you know, Kentucky wants to take a step up. I don't think they have the roster to get it done, but it is a physical fight whenever, you know, Kentucky comes to town. Uh, Vanderbilt is Vandy. Um, they are not in a position right now, you would imagine, to be able to pull off any kind of thing. Florida, uh, I hate the Gators. So uh, we can never beat Florida badly enough. That's how that is. <laughs> so uh, forty, you know, forty to nothing is looking good to me. They're a mess right now. Um, so again, I just think the roster is a mess. I don't think that's that's a game Georgia should win. Uh, Missouri's at home. Missouri is probably. I just think Missouri is going to be a little bit sneakier than folks think um, this year, as far as how many ultimate how many games are ultimately going to win. Um, but I think Georgia should win that game at home. The Ole Miss game, this this ending stretch um, is a little tricky. So you travel to Florida uh, for the neutral site, and that's a big emotional game. You come home, I just said, I think Missouri might be a little better than people think. Then they get Ole Miss. We won't know what Ole Miss is until we get here because you know they did so much in the portal and things like that. That team could be really dangerous, especially – when Tennessee looms the next week on the road and all you're going to hear is that's the game of the year in the SEC East, Georgia, Tennessee, that Ole Miss game could be tricky. If they had, if they know what they're doing, uh, that game uh, could be, you know, one that might jump up and bite the dogs right there. Ole Miss, um, Tennessee. Yes. You would point to that game and say, that's the toughest path the toughest game on the path back to Atlanta. It's on the road. But Georgia has dominated Tennessee the last three trips uh, to Knoxville. Um, they've won by an average score of something like 41 to 12 or 30, 38 to 12. It's something crazy like that. Uh, and it just comes back to the roster, right? So, And I think that as good as Tennessee was last year, if you look at who they have this year, I think it's inevitable that they take a step back. Doesn't mean they won't be a really good team, just means that they won't be eleven and one good or eleven and two good. They might be nine and three good. So um, that's a dangerous game for sure. But the thing to know about Georgia is that no one has ran the ball consistently against the dogs for the last four or five seasons. Uh, certainly not the last three. They're giving up fewer than eighty yards per game on the ground. If Tennessee cannot run the football, then you make them clearly one-dimensional, and those things that they like to do don't work, which is exactly what you saw last year. So unless Tennessee shows us they can run the ball against Georgia, I'm going to hang my hat on Kirby, JDJ, uh, that defense, and think that you know Georgia goes up there and gets that win. So uh, Ole Miss could be tricky. Tennessee is going to be tough. 
Auburn and Kentucky are going to be more than maybe people think they're going to be. Uh, but you're right. The odds are good that Georgia is going to be able to navigate that and make their way back to Atlanta this year to play in the big game. And I, my running joke this entire spring has been, ask me next week who I think is going to win the West. Because depending, <laughs> on the week, depending on the week, I have a different team. One week it's Alabama and the next week it's LSU. And it just uh, – I mean, Alabama has the best roster. LSU, though, you know, beat them at home last year. They are developing what they're doing down there and are on the rise. Um, so it just depends on the week you ask me who I think is going to win the SEC West. I'm not sure. Either one of those teams are going to be great, though. I have no doubt about that. I don't think that there's a team in the West like an A&M or someone that's going to step up and leapfrog one of those two. Uh, I think A&M has to be better. Um, and like I said, Auburn could be dangerous. I just don't think, and the same for Ole Miss, but I just don't think that at the end of the day, any of those schools are going to leapfrog either LSU or Alabama. So I think those are your favorites in the West. <clears throat> any, would it be, how much a surprise? I know the SEC, of course, for the most part, is pretty, you got your top teams and your bottoms kind of beat each other up for the love of it. Would it be, how much of a surprise would it be if, if, let's say July third, let's say playing devil's advocate. If I was, if I was to tell you, Randy, July third at seven fifty-seven p.m. Central for the SEC, would be Georgia and LSU. How much would that be? Much of a surprise, or not really? But no, it wouldn't be because, like I said, I you might get me to say LSU is going to win the West, and it won't be close. Um, because uh, I mean, Alabama. Again, top to bottom, that roster right. is really nice. Um, and we know what Nick is capable of doing mm -hmm. as far as, you know, changing his scheme to fit his personnel. People are worried about Alabama's quarterback with good reason. Uh, right. And also, you don't see a game breaker, an established game breaker at wide receiver, which is what Bama has been the last handful of years. Um, we don't know who's going to be the dominant running back. My money right now is on Haynes working his way in to be the starting guy by the middle of the season. So can they still win it, though? The answer is yes, because, again, they can change how they play the game, do enough to win, let that defense carry them. They can win the West, especially when they get LSU in Tuscaloosa, right? I think where you play these games matter. So, like, Texas coming into Tuscaloosa, same thing. I mean, we haven't talked a lot about Texas, but I wanted to say this. I was perusing – uh, one of my preview magazines, just to look and see mm. top players nationally at positions and stuff. I heard Urban Meyer, which don't get me on Urban Meyer, okay? But he, <laughs> made, he made the statement that Texas could have the best roster in the country. First off, bunk, okay? Well, let me say that. But secondly, if that's true, I don't see these lists littered with top players at any of these positions. I think I saw like, you know, a guy at tackle or something like that. Yeah, you know yeah I, mean? I was going to say, if, I'm yeah. sure because I usually read the Athlon sports and I haven't got a chance to do that yet. But usually for Texas, um, it's usually that up front on the offensive line, or you may have a guy or two on the defensive line or linebacker, stuff like that. But, you know, for Texas, I know they have I'm, – I'm sure – I mean, I don't know, obviously, what the inside scoop of what Steve Sharkey's and what they feel like and this, that, and something else. I know, but, you know, roster-wise, I know um, 
offensive wise, I think they returned nine starters. I know, you know, the biggest loss though, I think, and I saw him in person, unfortunately, it was my first Red River rival uh game. And well, you know, we didn't even score any points, so that wasn't very fun. But um but B. Uh, John Robinson, the running back, I think that's going to be the biggest key loss for Texas, and I think that's the biggest hope for them. I mean, I don't know who they got backing up. I'm sure um, Jonathan Brooks would be my opinion would be the biggest. Um, I, I would imagine the starter for that uh, offense for the offensive line for that offense. But you know, I, Texas, and I'm not bashing them because it's OU Texas. I got some respect towards them. I don't like them. I don't, you know, I despise them. woman. It sucked that we didn't score any points last year, but it it's it's Texas still hasn't still hasn't grasped what the trying the identity is what I'm looking for, the identity of Texas football, because you know they, they fired Mac Brown, then you bring in Charlie Strong, then you bring in um oh what was his name? Whatever his name then you bring in somebody, I forgot what the other guy's name was after um I can see him face Charlie Strong, but then you get Steve Charkeesian and, you know, I know he had a pass as it was anyway, but, you know, you got your two wideouts. I know um, Worthy is one, and I can't think of the other kid's name, but I know that uh, they got um, a Georgia transfer. I know they got him, but, right, you know, Texas really just overall uh, receiving core, I think they'll be fine. The their biggest one I think is gonna be a running back core, but it seems to me every year that the that the quarterback um, situation is is really always been the issue. I don't know why. Um, I'm looking real quick uh, through their defense, just trying to get some type of a feel on them. Looks like defensive wise, they're gonna come back perfectly fine. So maybe Urban Meyer knows something that we don't. Um, but again, you know, Texas hasn't won a Big 12 championship since 2009. And and um, I, I don't know. I'm sure just because of who they are, I'm sure that they would be the favorite to win the Big 12. I think Oklahoma's probably up there, probably top three, I'm sure, at least. TCU lost quite a bit, but I don't know. I think Texas, to go out on the limb and say they probably got the best roster, I would beg to differ on that one. But um yeah, me too. I, yeah, I, I don't see that. And if they're rolling into Alabama, right? You know, I'm just making the point about right. at home. That's a, obviously that's a very difficult place to play. So, mm. um, uh, I would not be surprised though. I, th- I said earlier, I think LSU long term is the greater threat to dominance in the conference for Georgia than Alabama is. Yeah, that doesn't mean that I'm knocking Alabama. I just think that LSU is ascending, and regardless of how healthy and fired up Nick is, at some point there's a change coming sooner rather than later. And the higher they make will determine whether I have to reevaluate that statement because I think Kelly's going to be there for another decade, or you know, just if we have to assume everything goes as it should. And I think that that program, again, I mentioned the recruiting in, in uh, Louisiana. They can go into Texas. They can come into Georgia. That I mean, there's no reason LSU cannot be just really, really good over the next decade. So I'm not surprised at all if it turns out to be LSU uh, in in Atlanta. And, you know, then it's just my squad versus their squad, right? And 
Uh, none of this stuff happens in a vacuum. I think that's something, especially in these talking months, that's what college football fans get wrapped up in. They mm -hmm. get none of this happens in a vacuum. So it's not, is Georgia as good as the 22 version or the 21 version? It is, is Georgia better than anybody else in the field right now? And yep. that's the way you have to look at it. And then, so the same thing can be said for Alabama, LSU, Ohio State, Michigan, right? Anybody that you might toss out there as a contender for the for the national title, or if you're talking about LSU, uh, Alabama, uh, here inside the conference, it's it's about how do we measure up right now, not about who we are or how many historically, uh, how historically great we've been, right? So it's what do you have on there on the field on Saturday? And that's going to determine who wins. So uh, if you look at the Big 12, I think Texas has to be the favorite mm -hmm. uh, just because of yours. Um, I would love to see somebody beat them. I expect that someone will. I, I refuse to believe that Texas is back and, and a champion of the conference until they actually do it. Uh, I think Baylor, TCU, Oklahoma, uh, any of those schools right there um, have an opportunity, you know, to have something to say about that. So, um, and I'm just not a believer in Sarkeesian. Again, I view him very much like I view Lincoln Riley, which is you're really good as a coordinator. Very, very good coach. I don't know if you're the CEO type to pull all that together and make it happen, you know. But at the end of the day, if you got better players, odds are you're going to win. So um, if they do, in fact, have the best roster, then maybe they actually will win the Big 12 for the first time in you know, 15 years. So, yeah, I'm looking at the uh, Texas schedule real quick. I mean, Rice and Wyoming, non conference wise, should be perfectly fine. Alabama, Tuscaloosa, I'm sure it's going to be a night game. Okay, 6 p.m. kickoff. So, night game in Tuscaloosa, that's going to be an interesting one. I'm looking forward to watching that one, honestly. Yep. Baylor on the road. You know, Baylor is always a team that just, they always, they always uh, have one game. I think this could be the game that they, you know, that they bring back quite a bit. Kansas, uh, and it's sad that I already talked about Kansas because they, you know, they're the the laughter of the Big Twelve. But you know, Kansas brings back into you know, the quarterback that's done phenomenal last year. Should have beat Oklahoma. I think there's a lot of few other games that they should have beat. So, you know, you never know. Kansas last time they went to Austin, they they upset them. Just so you know, Longhorn fans. Um, Oklahoma, you know, you just don't know what's going to happen with the Red River shootout. You know, I went to the game last year that was made history with uh, the first, you know, shutout or worst defeat, I should say, for OU football. So, you know, that wasn't very fun. But again, when you're so, we just ran the ball. I don't understand our play calling, so whatever. Uh, Houston, I don't expect much out of them for year one. BYU, I wish it was in wherever they play at. I uh, wish has that BYU. That'd be an interesting one, but I think you know that could be interesting. Kansas State, though, I can't ignore them. I think Kansas State. They've yep. got they have Oklahoma's number. They've gotten Texas's number, even with Charlie Strong um, for the last decade. So I, that should be a doozy. TCU on the road is going to be interesting. Iowa State, I, I don't expect much. And then Texas Tech should be interesting a lot. I know there are a lot, and you know, and then I look at our schedule real quick. You know, Arkansas State, SMU, Tulsa. Non-conference, I'm not worried about that. Cincinnati on the road. Shout out to my boy, D'Artagnan Tinsley with the Bearcats. <clears throat> we'll be on the podcast in the next few weeks. You know, shout out to them. That should be interesting. interesting game on the road. Uh, Iowa State, again, I don't really expect much out of them this year. Texas, you just don't know what's going to happen. That could go either way and or 
Central Florida for Oklahoma. I, I Central Florida I know has that name that they're trying to <clears throat> build that uh you know Gus Malzon the head coach and trying to get that program back to where they were with when Josh Hypo was there and and uh, um Scott Frost was there and so you never know. Kansas and Lawrence, the last time Oklahoma went to Lawrence, Caleb Williams practically stole the ball out of the defender's hand just to avoid us losing. Um, yeah. So, and then for the final time, Bellum, uh, our little brother, we get to farewell uh, them packing, hopefully with the W. The last time we went to Stillwater was the very last game. Uh, Lincoln Ryan was head coach. And I'm not going to worry about that one. Uh, West Virginia, it's going to be interesting. We've had the number of percent for the exception of last year. Come to Norman with only beating us once since they joined the Big 12. BYU and Provo, uh, Provo, Provo, Utah, and then TCU the Friday after Thanksgiving is going to be interesting. I think both schedules, setting up OU, Texas, uh, heading into the SEC, you know, it's it's a pretty favorable to to make it really the big in the Big 12 title game. Like we you know, we could easily see them both in the Big 12 championship then game. I think Kansas State has a chance. Uh, I think you probably be your top three big dogs, but you know it's going to be interesting. Um, really, I, I really want to see how these two teams really just fare out in the final year because the teams on the road, real quick, the teams on the road when they go on the road, I can just imagine the hostile, hopefully a hostile environment, knowing that this is the last time they're going to Stillwater to whatever. I can just imagine what man, what it's going to feel like because I'm sure there's some fans out there that's ready for OU and ready for Texas to come up to their stadiums and play them because I'm sure they got some choice words for them. Yeah, that part should be fun if you just think about it in terms of fandom. That that should be a, a fun ride. Last question as we wrap up, Randy. It's plain and simple. I mean, we're not worried about 24 right now, um, but uh, I'm ready for 24. I don't know about you, but my question for you as we wrap up, nothing really too major. Um, are you counting down the days for OU Texas to join? Are you going to enjoy the final, what we would consider uh, the final year of the 14-team league uh, SEC? Are you actually, like me, I'm ready more. Can we just surpass this year to get to to the SEC? Or what's your reflections on 23 as we head into 24 and, in, and the new expansion of the SEC? Well, seeing as how you know we are already here, and we are just awaiting awaiting the arrival of those two schools. I I would just have to say I'm not so much looking to skip past 23, um, <laughs> right? But I'm absolutely looking forward to 24. And 24 is going to be such a crazy ride because of so much change all at the same time. Because not only do we have the new teams coming into the league same in the Big Ten, but we also have the playoff, which is coming, yep. which is an entirely just you know, it's an entirely different discussion. About oh yes, that's a good thing or whatever. Um, but there's just going to be so much churn in that 24 year. Uh, it is going to be very interesting to see uh, who you know is going to rise to the top in the, in the conference and how it's going to shake out across the uh, conferences like the Big 12 and the Pac 12 where those schools are leaving. Uh, there's just so much that's going to be happening right there. So I'm absolutely looking forward to 24 but i don't want to just skip past 23 <laughs> mostly mostly for the things that you just said so as a football fan every week i'm going to get to enjoy sec football georgia football mm -hmm. 
but I'm absolutely going to pay more attention to the Big 12 than I've paid in a decade. Interesting. Uh, because I know that, you know, Oklahoma and Texas are out mm -hmm. there and battling it out. So I'm going to be like, oh, I'm actually going to have a rooting interest in those games. Uh, maybe not a rooting interest, but a more right. of an interest than I've had in the past. Uh, because generally speaking, I'm only tuning in to watch the Big 12 if there's a potential upset brewing or something like that. Right. Uh, just because I'm focused on my schools, right? I want to watch Kentucky play Florida or whatever it is. Um, so, yeah, as a fan, I'm excited because now I have more tempting games that are out there. Um, and it's it's one of those things where knowing that a game like uh, the Red River rivalry, right, one of only two mm -hmm. neutral site games in the country Yep, Florida being the other. Mm -hmm. uh, knowing that that's both of those games are going to reside in the SEC, then that's pretty doggone cool. And I hope that those things can continue. So um, now that I mean, it was on my list anyway because I have Oklahoma friends and things like that. That if it ever worked out, maybe I could go to that game. But now that they're in the conference, that ticks it up a level. Maybe I make a plan to go to that game, right? Because mm -hmm. they're a conference opponent. So. In that respect, I'm very much looking forward to 2024. But 2023 has surprises untold. I'm certain it will deliver just like college football always does for us. And, um, you know, hopefully uh, we can get to the end of this thing in 23 and my dog's <laughs> back in Atlanta for, for the championship game. And, you know, like I said, we'll take our shot and see what happens beyond that. So that's where I'm at. I'm looking forward to it all. I'm a college football guy, yep. so. Bring it on. That's what I say. Oh, I love college football. And, uh, you know, if you ever need, uh, <clears throat> if you ever get the chance to visit, I don't know if you've ever visited Oklahoma or let alone Norman, but, uh, you know, I got season tickets. So, you know, if you happen to come in to Norman just one random week and, you know, let me know and uh, I'll be glad. But, you know, OU Texas, that's a great regardless of last year's outcome. That was a pretty cool environment. You know, I never got the experience in person. It's a whole lot better, obviously, watching it, but it, it pretty much what, it, what I thought it was. It was one of the best rivalries in college football and, you know, half and half. And, I, you know, I can send pictures and everything else. But, no, definitely uh, if you ever come to Norman or, you know, that Texas OU game, you know, by all means. Well, I'll tell you, I, I mean, can, first off, that's a tremendous offer. So thank you. For <laughs> uh, that's some hospitality, right? Just some hey. hospitality. But, but I will say – um, you know, I honestly thought, and I did this on my preview when I sketched out my preview for, for 24, I thought Georgia was going to come and play Oklahoma in 24. And yeah. the fact that you're going to go to Austin, uh, threw me for a little bit of a loop. I'm like, why not play that game since exactly. So, uh, at some point that's a game. And my wife is a huge college football fan too. So Very when nice. we talk about traveling to Austin or to Norman or these mm -hmm. cathedrals of college football with all this great history, these are places that I promise you we're excited about having an opportunity to come and visit. So, and you are not going to find a better college town than Athens, Georgia, anywhere in the country. Uh, it, it, even going to Nashville to check out Vandy, mm -hmm. right? That's a fun place to go visit. So um, going the other way, I think OU and Texas fans are going to have a lot to look forward to as they make their way through these SEC schools. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to it. I know I got some Arkansas fans that's, you know, hey, you got to check out Fayetteville, which it's only a three-hour drive for me. So, you know, of course, uh, farther out east would be a lot better. But, 
you know, Herbert Raj, you know, we're doing a, you know, they're Alabama. We're doing a live on-site uh, <clears throat> podcast episode next year when Alabama comes to Norman. So oh, that's awesome. You know, it's just, I'm looking forward to it, but uh, Hey, we just got a few more, you know, we just got one more season before we can, you know, really dive into, but hopefully 2025. Oh, you Georgia. I hope, I don't know how that's going to look like, but we'll see. Well, I, I was glad to see you pop up those comments on the screen earlier. I'm going to have to go check out Herb and Raj. I, I don't know their stuff. So uh, that's going to be one of those things. That's why I wanted to come on was to sort of get to learn, uh, you know, about what's going on with the other schools in the conference by talking to people who follow it closely, uh, follow their team the way I follow mine. So I've had a blast being on talking all this football. I've kept you way too long. <laughs> You're good. I've actually done – there was one show and it was had no intentions. It was way past two hours, and um, I've yet to listen to that show again. I don't know if I'm ever going to listen to that show again. So, final comment as we wrap up the show from Herbert Raj Podcast: Georgia is the best, and they deserve and they deserve that good show, guys. I'm out. Roll Tide. Fair enough, Randy. It was an honor having you on. A blast to talk some college football, especially Georgian. Hearing your thoughts on your Bulldogs as we head into the 23 season. Last time, uh, where can they hear you and listen to you and find you as we wrap up the show? All right. Well, like I said, uh, we are a damn beast media. You can find us on YouTube at a damn beast and across all the socials TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at a damn beast. The only one that's different is Instagram. You have to put media on the end of it. So a damn beast media on Instagram. Uh, but the rest are just a damn beast. I also have a website at you know, adambeast.com where I blog and do other fun stuff. So uh, if you're interested in any of that, if you're looking to level up your Georgia knowledge, check us out, hit us up. Uh, I'm very quick to respond. So, you know, if you like to chit chat on Twitter, hit me up there too. We'll get it done. And the only other thing I can say is I was so happy to be here. Thank you for having me on. This was a lot of fun. And I, you know, who says it better than Kirby Smart? So how about them fucking dogs? That's what I told them. Yeah. So there you go. I love that. I love that. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Randy of a, Randy of a Damn Beast Media joining us talking all dogs 24-7 all day, every day. Randy, it's an honor having you on. We're going to do it again as we uh, – I may meet you at halfway point, get your reflection on the college football world, but uh, we'll do it again. But uh, thank you so much for coming on, and, and uh, have a happy fourth. Yeah, man. Everybody stay safe out there and enjoy the 23 season. A lot of changes coming in 24. Don't look past 23. You absolutely. You've been enjoy the moment, though, you fans. And yeah, I guess you two little brothers from Texas. Uh, enjoy the moments. We are ending this show. You've been listening to the Air Attack podcast. Listen to us on all major podcast platforms. Find us on Twitter at Air Raid Podcast and uh, Facebook and Twitch and listen to us there. However, have a happy 4th. We will see you all, guys, same place, same time next week. Take care. Go dogs.